just thought of kings Better than none and ring That's why we're here to sing Football Sunday in the snow Referees whistle blows Weekend warriors toe to toe Football 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 Yes, yes, people, welcome along to another edition of North London 40. Woo! My name is James Hamlin. My name is Inyo Benigo. What a weekend of playoff football we have experienced. I feel drained, <laughs> slash enlightened, slash invigorated. I, feel, I can't describe it. I am still buzzing from... That is about... a. Fantastic a weekend of sports, Inye, as I have witnessed in my sporting life. Better than the Ryder Cup? Better than the Ryder Cup. Better than when Andy Murray won that thing on the Monday when we were doing the pod? Far better than that. Better than when Spurs beat Reading? Far better than that. Okay, I, you have me sold. I'm not, I'm not even disagreeing with you. I'm just wondering where in the pantheon of weekends, where does that go? It's right up there. We were bigging it up all week on the pod how this weekend was the one. You had Saturday football, you had Sunday football, you had the four best teams in the league going head-to-head, two on Saturday night, two on Sunday night, this was the one. The wild card weekend, we can say it now, was meh at best. It, the, apt, incredibly apt. It, uh, I don't know what's more disappointing, that or a veggie burger at Burger King. One of our favourite players got injured, RG3, and it just took a big... Dump on what was quite a boring weekend of wildcard football. We can say that now. Yeah. Because we've come out the other side as better people, <laughs> having experienced and witnessed the spectacle that was divisional playoff weekend in the NFL. It was fantastic. If you watch the games, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. We're going to break down what happened in those games tonight. If you didn't, we're going to break them down and we're going to talk about how you can watch... The next round of games which follow on this incredible drama that is the 2012-2013 NFL season. We've also got some guests on this week's pod. We love a guest on the pods. The biggest story of the weekend, and we're going to get into that in all sorts of details, was the San Francisco 49ers and their victory. We've gone over to San Francisco. We've reached out and we have found one of our favorite rappers from the San Francisco area. A.K.A. Frank is going to be on the podcast later. Going to be talking about it from a San Francisco fan's perspective, from a rap perspective, what the victory in San Francisco meant this week. He's going to be going into all sorts of detail around that. Housekeeping, before we proceed as normal, at NLDN40 on the Twitter. Great fun on Twitter this weekend for all you lot. Atting us, messaging us, all this type of stuff. Love all that stuff. We'll be doing that all throughout the playoffs. Games. Love your predictions. Love all your wacky stuff that you come up with. Great fun. On iTunes, North London 40, subscribe. This hits your Apple device. Late Mondays, get it on there, sign up. Mixcloud.com forward slash NLDN40. For those of you that ask us, how do you get it on Android? Well, there's an RSS feed as well. Um, That's easy to find. Just look on our Twitter as well. Check all that out. NorthLondon40.tumblr.com. Lots of really fun Tumblr stuff up there. Constantly check that out as well. That's a lot of fun. And NorthLondon40 at gmail.com. Hit us up on the email. Really appreciate all that. Remember, this is your show. Please participate in it. We really, really like to hear from you all. Where shall we start in this incredible weekend of action? I guess we should probably start at the start. 
That's a good place. I like to start at the start. Start at the start, finish at the finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do that. So let's start with the early game. It was in Denver. The it Bron- was freezing. It was freezing. Freezing and not a lot of altitude. Yeah. Denver, massive favourites going into this one. Nine and a half points they had on Ray Lewis and his Baltimore Ravens. It ended up not mattering. This was an absolutely insane game, which ended up double OT. The Baltimore Ravens, 38. The Denver Broncos, 35. This was a matchup for the ages. Where do we even begin with this game? This game had everything. Two legends of the game. Two definite Hall of Famers. One in potentially his last ever game. One in his first playoff game for his new franchise. That was Peyton Manning. They added the context to the game. Two titans going head-to-head. Unfortunately, one of them had to lose. True. And I admit, I'm a little bit of a sourpuss on the whole Ray Lewis, you know, farewell tour. But this game was just unbelievable. Some great throws, some great runs, some great special teams, everything. Just... This is what playoff football is about. It really was, and no one expected this to be a high scorer, a humdinger, especially from the Ravens' offense. It started out the gate absolutely bananas. 14-all at the start of the second quarter. Trinidon Holiday. A.K.A. Trinidon James. Boom. Returning in kickoff. Return for a touchdown. Getting stuff going for the Denver Broncos. And then the Denver Broncos' secondary which has been fantastic all season. Mm-hmm. Champ Bailey, all pro. Future Hall of Famer. Future Hall of Famer. Again, we're batting that one around. A lot, with a lot of these players, to be honest. <laughs> Collapsed spectacularly in the first half. Tory Smith, two long touchdowns, both on Champ Bailey. Joe Flacco playing extremely well. This game went in at halftime, 21-all. Total shootout. Second half, Tritted on Holiday again, returns a kickoff return for a touchdown, puts the Broncos up. You didn't see the Ravens winning this game to right until the very end. Do you think the, the Ravens won this game, or do you think the Broncos did not put them away and let the Ravens hang around long enough? Everyone was very high on the Broncos all week, but... The Ravens had the intangibles of the Ray Lewis retirement, which, as we know, is worth a stack of points on its own. It beat Chuck Strong. The other thing that people weren't necessarily thinking about is Peyton Manning's record in playoff games. Ain't great. In cold weather as well. 0-4. 0-4 in cold weather games in the playoffs. Not a lot of people were talking about that because Denver were looking so good in the regular season. Mm-hmm. They were looking good because they could run the ball with no Sean Moreno. Their passing attack was on point. They were getting leads on teams, letting Von Miller and Elvis Dumerville loose on teams, defending leads. They were looking strong. They lost Moreno early. It really hurt them. Did and they they had prepared. Quite well for this game, uh, as you can tell, they they you know they scored 21 points in the first half. But one of the things that Manning did to prepare for this game, especially because as we mentioned, he's now 0-4 in cold weather games. 
He dunked his hand in cold water and threw the ball during all week during practice to mimic the conditions on the field. But that still wasn't enough. A quarterback that we've called the game manager, a quarterback that we've, you know, we've called competent at best, stepped up was just frankly amazing. Joe Flacco is going to be a free agent next year, so big game for him. And as we know, players generally tend to play well when there is money on the line. And it was. I really liked the coverage that they cut to Joe Flacco on the sideline between series. He wasn't rah rahing and hooting and hollering, doing any of that type of stuff. He was sat very focused, very quiet, freezing his proverbials off at the same time. But he looked extremely focused, despite what was atrociously conservative play calling from Jim Caldwell. Lots of conversation on Twitter about this. Jason Whitlock was very, very vocal about it. It's like Jim Caldwell, we know he's quite new. It's like he only knew about ten of the plays. <laughs> and they were run Ray Rice on first down, run Ray Rice on second down, and then chuck it. It was really, really hard for Flacco because when he was going long, it was working. When he was using Pitter, it was working. So when they tried to iron that out... Joe was looking very useful, but it still boiled down to 30 seconds to go, no timeouts, Joe Flacco with the ball. Nobody was confident he was going to be able to deliver. And then a play that will be talked about in Baltimore for years to come happened. Third down, he stepped up in the pocket, threw it long. Jacoby Jones, somehow Raheem Moore for the Denver Broncos laid an absolute egg and I feel terrible for him but just let the ball sail over his head he's come out blamed himself for the victory very upset about it and that's a very noble gesture for him but that was a terrible play by Raheem Moore it was and in the weekend of quite amazing comebacks that probably was the one that was due to individual error more than anything else I think Peyton Manning probably secretly has a voodoo doll that he's going to stick some pins into Raheem Moore. But it's it's amazing to think that in the NFL, it's a team game, it's a team sport, and it rarely comes down to one second or one one individual moment like that. And that and that's basic stuff for a safety that you can't let the ball be overthrown over your head. The Broncos secondary in this game, and again, this is Joe Flacco. Bolden was clutch when he needed to be, and Torrey Smith was good. These aren't two elite receivers in mm-hmm. the league. They had to cover. They had a terrible secondary performance. The officiating in this game was also com- really, really bad. This was turned into one of the longest games ever, I believe. The longest playoff game for... I think nine years. Nine years. And it felt that way at times. But you weren't that mad because you didn't want the game to end. It was that great. But very badly officiated. But Peyton Manning, even though he may be a bit miffed with Raheem Moore, it also came down to a mistake himself that you don't really see Peyton Manning making. In overtime, through across his body, through an interception, Corey Graham, who'd already taken a pick six back to the house earlier in the game, picked it off, put the Ravens in brilliant field position. And unlike last year, where Billy Cundiff... Blew it this year. Rookie, Justin Tucker, nailed it from 47 yards. And I think all the neutrals, and whether it's the Ray Lewis thing, I don't know, but all the neutrals wanted. We even have some Browns fans that wanted the Ravens (laughs) to win this, and they did. Could this be the Ravens' year, then? You know what? I think it might be. 
The Ravens go on. They're the only team with a quarterback not playing at an elite level. However, he played one of his best games. If he can build on that, I think he can do it. Feel so much better about the Ravens than I did six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They're a team that was just in quicksand, not going anywhere. They now have the Ray momentum. And it's like, if they can sort out their play calling, they now seem to know what type of team they are. They're making plays on defense. They then started to figure out how to use Ray Rice. And that's such a nice problem to have. He didn't fumble. But yeah, I feel a lot better about the Baltimore Ravens. Sticking with the AFC, the late game on Sunday night. And it was always going to be the least exciting of the games. Because unfortunately, we'd had so much more excitement. And we'll cover the NFC after this. It was always going to be tough to keep up with that. Another heavily favoured home team with a titan at quarterback. The New England Patriots convincingly beat the Houston Texans 41-28. And whilst Peyton Manning doesn't have the best of records in playoff games, Tom Brady became the winningest quarterback in NFL postseason history. A comfortable win for the Patriots at home, this. The annoying thing about the Patriots and something that we've come to expect over the past 12 years or so is the fact that when it comes to playoff games, they'll find any way to kill you. And in this game, who would have thought that Shane Vereen would have been the one? Shane Vereen equaled an NFL record of two touchdown receptions and a touchdown run in a game. Stepped up big time for the Patriots. It was amazing. So the Patriots very early... And Tom Brady made a great quote about this. They'd game-planned all week using Danny Woodhead and Gronk. They lost Danny Woodhead extremely early in the game. They weren't able to use him. So Vereen took his spot, performed at an elite level, was extremely useful for the Pats. More importantly for the Pats and early, they lost their main offensive weapon, Rob Gronkowski re-injured his broken arm. He was done for the game. He's done for the playoffs. Now, this would be a bigger deal. Last year, it was an incredibly big deal. But the Patriots have found a way to play without him. They even put Shane Vereen in the wide receiver position. It's true. Five catches for Vereen. Two touchdowns, 83 yards. They have the beauty of going to their other tight end, Aaron Hernandez. Such a great open field runner when he gets the ball. Six grabs for him. Lean on Wes Welker. Eight catches, 131 yards, including a beautiful over-the-shoulder one-handed catch for Welker. Six of those catches were in the first half for 120 yards. So they have that luxury. But again, when Mike Carlson was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, he made the excellent point that this team and this coaching staff, because it's the Patriots, don't get enough credit for this. We were sat there watching... Just another New England playoff racking up 40 points win without two of their key offensive weapons. We were just running off the stats as if it were expected to happen. You have to give credit to Tom Brady, to Bill Belichick, and that whole organization. They look the real deal. The fact that Tom Brady is 
the fastest quarterback in the NFL in terms of releasing the ball. He has the ball in his hands less than three seconds each snap. It's amazing. He's racking up records to beat his childhood hero, Joe Montana. Grew up as a Niners fan, Tom Brady. That was his 41st postseason touchdown pass. Puts him behind Brett Favre. And, of course, Joe Montana. What can he say about this man? He continues to impress... The Texans, on the other hand, and I think that we saw eight quarterbacks in these four incredible games, seven of them playing at an elite level at the moment. One isn't Matt Schaub, and it really stood out. Yeah, he, he, stuck, he stood out like a sore thumb. It was, his quarterback play was... It wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't of the level as the other ones there. And I think playoff games are won and lost on individual moments. And I think he is the one quarterback that you can definitely rely on it not happening. India makes a great point. His stats aren't bad, but he attempted over 50 passes, completed 34 of them, but just didn't look capable of doing the extra things that these amazing elite level quarterbacks for these winning teams are doing and I'll put Joe Flacco in that conversation too some of the stuff he did at the weekend and I think if you're a Houston fan or a member of that that Houston organization I think look you've got lots of strong pieces Mm -hmm. I think you get defensive players back next year you've obviously got a strong backfields you kind of need to look at the quarterback position and say look this season Steady Eddie, game manager types, unspectacular QBs aren't winning games. Quarterbacks with the X factor are winning games. And don't think Houston got that for Schaub over the past six or seven weeks. So he was pretty exposed. Overall, I think a pretty disappointing end of the season to Houston. And 13 points was a deficit, but they were never really in this game, let's be fair. So what does this mean? We've got a repeat of... Last season's AFC Championship game. Not a lot of people saw this happening, especially a few weeks ago when the Ravens were not playing well at all. You've got the Ravens going into Gillette Stadium, taking on the New England Patriots. The Patriots are nine-point favourites going into this. Where's your money, mate? (sighs) Big sigh. Big Lusai, in in fact. I, I I can't look beyond the Patriots, to be honest. I can't. My heart really, really wants to go with the Ravens because I love a good story. But the Patriots right now, they're in clinical fashion, and I think we are we are slightly underestimating them. I agree with you. However, the Ravens, if they're ever going to win a big game in this era, it's now. Yeah. Ray Lewis's last game, we talk about quarterbacks. We talk about what's required for teams to win. For me, it's real simple. If they can get an upgrade in the play-calling department, and whether that's Jim Caldwell learning the plays or (laughs) getting someone else to call the plays, they can use Ray Rice effectively. He doesn't fumble, and Joe Flacco plays at the level that he played against the Denver Broncos, and they don't give away two special teams touchdowns. The Ravens can win this. The thing is, is in the regular season game, the Ravens, the Ravens beat the the Patriots by one point, but the Ravens played exceptional football that day. 
they, they were they were humming on all levels. Then Flacco threw for 382 yards, three TDs. Can you see him doing that against the the New England D? It's not the best defense in the AFC. I think we're divided on this one. I've talked myself into. Okay. I like the Ravens. I like it's it. going to be a fantastic matchup. It's the late game next Sunday. It's going to be on 11:30 ish time kickoff. Ray Lewis's potentially last game. Tom Brady competing to play in his sixth Super Bowl. It's going to be brilliant. Cannot wait for that one next week. Let's flip over to the NFC. Let's start with the game yesterday. We've gone through a couple of amazing games. What we hadn't had was the comeback game. And boy, did we get it in Atlanta. This game was done. Everybody was watching it, was bored. Everyone had thought they had the perspective around the Russell Wilson story was going to end. Disappointingly, Seattle were outplayed at halftime. They went into the locker room, 20 points to zero down. They did a huge balls up just before the final whistle for halftime, which cost them guaranteed points. It seems like Pete Carroll had maybe been enjoying some of those uh, recently legal highs that Seattle uh, have just instituted. <laughs> Great week for Seattle. Not only were they in a road playoff game, they're getting the Sonics back and uh, dope is legal. Yep. Looks like we're moving. It was all going completely tits up, really, for Seattle and Atlanta. Looked great. They looked polished. They were moving the ball. Michael Turner, who has not really been a factor at all recently, been getting a lot of stick from Atlanta. Nearly got 100 yards on the deck, and Jack East Rogers contributed as well. Looked very competent. They went into a 20 nothing lead. It looked like a regular playoff win. Matt Relice about to get off the schneid, winning his first playoff game. To the point, I have to add, that people started questioning Seattle's win against Washington last week. But then what Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks started to do, they started to adjust. They woke up. Zach Miller had an insane game for Seattle. Eight catches, 142 yards and a touchdown. He was unable to be covered by the Falcons. Seattle came back and they scored. They got Marshall Lynch going. But then the unbelievable started to happen. Seattle scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to take the lead. But unfortunately, comes down to experience and you cannot expect a rookie quarterback to be able to make this call. Seattle made the mistake of scoring with too much time left on the clock. Thus ending Seattle 28, Atlanta 30. It was an amazing game. Everyone thought Seattle had won it. Drama to the last. They just left too much time on the clock. Atlanta were able to make three completions. Matt Bryant field goal somehow won it. So, James, you just perfectly described this game. Now, a lot of people, when Seattle were leading, were blaming Matty Ice on this. How is it his fault that his defense gave up three touchdowns in the quarter? Unfortunately, Matt Ryan is in a situation where he was kind of at a hiding to nothing in this game. He threw two interceptions. Statistically, he was okay. But again, 
He was the quarterback that had never won the playoff game until now. And sometimes it can take an ugly win to get through. He managed it somehow, and the Falcons got the win. But moving forwards, how do people feel about the Falcons? They didn't feel great about them before. I don't think they necessarily feel that great about them now. Question is, who are they going to face? The last game we'll talk about was the late game on Saturday. The San Francisco 49ers beat the Green Bay Packers 45-31. to This, for me, despite all the elements that make up San Francisco as a fantastic team, was all about an individual performance of the likes I don't think I've seen in a playoff game. Let's not get into the fact it was his first playoff game. But Colin Kaepernick put in a performance of the like I've not seen before. Played at a level that would have beaten any team. This was astounding by Kaepernick. Stunning. Simply stunning. Uh, Simply amazing. I, I, I really cannot put into words how complete a performance this was by a quarterback. We've seen Michael Vick in the playoffs be electrifying using his feet, but we've never seen a quarterback being electrifying with his feet, with his arm, with his head. I'm sure his toes were doing something amazing as well. It, it really was a complete performance. It really was. And all week we thought about Kaepernick versus Aaron Rodgers, and Bill Simmons wrote his brilliant mailbag consistently showing the footage of Aaron Rodgers, how he's going to come back and get revenge on the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers looked shaky against the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. Questions around Justin Smith on the defensive line. Packers had, and this was one of their biggest mistakes. They saw playing against Joe Webb last week as a great warm-up game for playing against Colin Kaepernick. It was an embarrassment. This guy schooled these Green Bay Packard defenders like they haven't been schooled before. With an absolutely electrifying performance of quarterback play. With his legs, with his arms, hard counting, getting a key offside later on in the game. And just leading that team. And the Jim Harbour decision to put Kaepernick in this team. And everyone wants to know how it's going to pan out. Is potentially going to go down if the story writes itself in the way that it looks like it's going to as one of the greatest coaching decisions in the history of all sports. And I really believe it's going to change sports. You know, we spoke about the last game. Russell Wilson was a gamble, a decision against convention that Pete Carroll made. And Pete Carroll, oh, talking to Pete Carroll, we haven't covered it. We should. Um, He got a lot of stick for this. A couple of particularly bogus decisions Pete Carroll made last night. And one was, of course... His bungling of icing the kicker. People love sticking the boot into Pete Carroll. He's a little bit pinata-like in that respect. The funny thing about it when he iced the kicker is he kind of iced the kicker, saw the kicker miss, and then kind of disassociated himself from the icing (laughs) of the kicker. It never happened. It was like, like, who who did that? (laughs) And, you know, people say you shouldn't ice the kicker, and, you know, it makes no sense to ice the kicker, and all these types of things. However, if you look at the statistics, and I think Bill Barmer put these on on Twitter, when you don't ice the kicker, he makes the kick in a game-winning situation 81% of the time. When you ice the kicker, 
he makes the kick 74% of the time. Mm-hmm. Read into that what you will. Whilst we're talking of coaching decisions before that, what about the onside kick type thing by the Falcons? That was ridiculous. It was explained. It was explained in the post um, in the post game conference that it was a, a miscommunication. It was supposed to be a much stronger squib kick than the. Actually, it was supposed to be a squib kick instead of an onside kick. It was yeah. It was a bit foolish. Bearing in mind that they were lucky enough to get a, some time left on the clock, they wanted to give the Seahawks a fair a hail mary opportunity. This all happened pretty fast, but. Was it not a situation where Seattle could have gone for a 65-yard field goal or the Hail Mary? Yeah. Don't have the stats in front of me. And if you look at your kicker and he gives you the the, the next His, side, uh, just to <laughs> say, I can't even – I've never hit that in my life. The, but ki- the kicker's longest kick was 55 yards, so you true, are asking a lot. True, but, you know – You're in a dome as well, I guess. You're in a dome. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if he can't physically make it, he can't physically make it, yeah. but – you know, maybe they thought Seattle's history of Hail Marys is successful. I'm not really sure, but that's got to be an option. They didn't have many timeouts, so then they had to rush it. But Going back to the to icing the kicker quickly, this is a sport that taking a delay of game, let's say when you want to, if you're, you want to kick a field goal to win a game, you, you don't mind going back five yards, you'll let the time run out. That's part and parcel of the game. Why not ice the kicker regardless? As a coach, you've got to try everything. I think it's because he missed it when he was iced mm-hmm. that it was then said that he shouldn't ice the kicker. But if you analyse it, you'll see that the whistle was already blown, the timeout was happening, you know, it was going to happen anyway. So it, it's really hard to do. But Carroll's going to get some stick, but you have to put all these things into a context. Amazing season by the Seahawks. And look, the big coaching decisions by Pete Carroll, such as going with Russell Wilson, carving out a secondary that's played at the level that it did. You have to give him some credit too. So interesting times in Seattle moving forwards. I think them being in the same division as the Niners. Talking of the Niners game, let's analyse it in a bit more detail and let's bring in a guest. So as we said, we wanted to gain a reaction of the amazing events that happened in San Francisco over this weekend. So we thought we had to reach out to someone we knew in San Francisco, mm-hmm. somebody that was there, somebody that was on the actual time zone, yeah. experiencing it, a real fan of the team. So we thought yes, we'd... Yes. I can't wait. So we <laughs> thought we'd contact not only one of our favourite rappers from my Dick Ain't Racist fame, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Frank. Welcome to North London 40. How's it going, mate? It's going good. How you guys doing? We're good. So let's talk about the game. The San Francisco 49ers against the Green Bay Packers. Frank, first of all, where did you watch the game? I watched it at my boy house. Shout out to my boy Touchscreen Trail. He had a, we had a little get together at his house, watched the game. You know, I was very intense the whole game. Had on my had on my game face like I was out there playing on the field. <laughs> so we were thinking about the game all week. Didn't really know where it was going to go. It came down to us to a battle between Aaron Rodgers reigning MVP of the NFL and Colin Kaepernick effectively we call him a rookie on this podcast he basically is a rookie sat yeah. last year starting in his first NFL playoff game we thought Rodgers with his experience was going to get the advantage then a performance we're discussing this of the like of what we've probably never seen 
from mm-hmm. a quarterback on his debut in the playoffs. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick, what were you thinking when you were watching that performance unveil before your very eyes? I was just seeing the future of the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers for years to come. Super Bowls and more Super Bowls with this guy at the quarterback because he just, his ceiling is just so high. It's like he, the way he can throw the ball, the way he can run the ball with the read option and stuff like that. It just keeps defenses on their toes. Like you don't know when he drops back, they expect he wants to throw it. But like if it's not enough time, he has that ability to get out that pocket and just make some plays happen and keep those chains moving. So he just has a great ceiling. The guy, he has, he probably could have been after a performance like that. You think like, why isn't he like a top? Why wasn't he a top 10 pick? But he was like, cause he's just too talented. Let's go a little bit further back. When they decided to go with Kaepernick instead of Smith, what did you feel then? Were you, were you worried? Did you think he had it? Honestly, I kind of was like, I don't, I was like, we could still go with Smith because I didn't have I haven't seen, I didn't see Kaepernick throw the ball yet. You know, mm. I knew Smith, he was like, I knew Smith, he's not a risk taker. So he, he, he was very conservative with his play. So I knew we'd be, we'd be safe with him. After seeing Cap, after that Bears game on Monday night, he was like, oh, wow, this guy can sling it. He's not afraid that he has a, he has like a, like a rifle in his arm. Cause that ball come out so fast. He'd be slinging it. So after that Bears game, I kind of was settled and was like, okay, I see something in this guy. I see what Harbaugh is doing now. In terms of local fans perspective on the 49ers, Frank, you were obviously full on from Cap from day one, and that was great. He had a shaky performance up in Seattle. Yeah. Um, that mm-hmm. was one, one blip, and that's going to happen as a young quarterback. How would you say, in your opinion, the San Francisco fans from the local community that you know were on Cap or Smith? Are they 50-50, or were they all on Cap? Where was everybody? I, was, I would say it was a lot of 50-50 when it first went down, because a lot of guys still was feeling like Alex was could still get it done because he was – he was a top three, had a top three passer rating in the league before he got injured. Like, how can you argue with a top three passer rating? So, like, a lot of people was still was like they was up and down. They just had to see what Cap could do in order to in order to persuade them. Like, okay, he, he's the man going forward into the future. They wanted to see what he could do. Yes, exactly. He only went and set NFL records yeah. for quarterback rushing, not just in playoff games, but any game. Yeah, no, any that, that, game. It's amazing to think, like not amazing. even amazing. Just yeah, a fantastic performance. So Frank, question for you: Alex Smith starts that game. Do the 49ers win that game? Yeah, we we win that game, but I say really? we win that. Wow. Yeah, we win that game probably by maybe uh, one less touchdown because. Alex Smith in that first game against Green Bay, he went like 22 for 26 or 20 for 26 and threw two touchdowns. So it was the, the game doesn't change with the 49ers because you still got to think about our defense. And that's that's what really carries this team is our it was our defense for so many years. And now that we got some offense that that's high risk, high reward. You can be able to take those chances with Colin Kaepernick to be able to put those points on the board. But Alex Smith, I don't think the game probably would have changed a little bit. We just would have scored less points. But I think our defense still would have put it on Rodgers. You are listening to a very confident San Francisco 49ers <laughs> there, people. But a you team that's in it. a great position. A team that's in a great position where two excellent quarterbacks. But I think it's safe to say Kaepernick brings the X factor to that team. And oh, yes. Yeah. 
it was just amazing to watch. This guy, six yeah. foot five, 18 stone, that's British weight, Frank. To watch him play the position, <laughs> fantastic stuff. One of the reasons we wanted to get you on the pod, Frank, as well, is it seemed to us that there was lots of hip-hop happening in San Francisco at the game. Yeah. And oh, yeah. We don't think on this podcast that that's a coincidence mm. as to mm-hmm. the success of the Niners. Last mm-hmm. year, they had a successful run. They obviously adopted Tony Montana as their, yeah. as, yeah. as their track in the change room, and they were successful, didn't quite make it there. Um, E-40 did the halftime show there. They didn't televise it. They didn't televise it in Britain, that's for sure. Yeah. Don't think which they is a shame, to be honest. Which is a shame yeah. everywhere, because <laughs> that, that would have been great. But despite that, Epic. and then... Two chains managed to get some camera time at the end with, <laughs> with, with Michael Crabtree. Yeah. Oh, in, yeah. In, in the end, how much is hip hop helping this San Francisco 49ers team? People probably listen to a lot of music before they prepare for their games. Music is like another way of like getting prepared. It gets you in like another mental mind state to where they go out and get focused and get ready to play the game. And then having the different the different uh, celebs that that come through to be able to perform at the games and, like, get the crowd amped and turned up, get them hyped. That's big, too, also, because music plays a big role in just, not in just sports, but just life, period. So I can see how, like, hip-hop is definitely getting into the getting into the sports world or getting in, helping with the Niners, being able to get us get us turned up, get us amped with that turn, with that turn up music. <laughs> so we can come out and play vicious. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, I'm really glad that there's a lot more hip hop in in the NFL because Yes. Like 10 years ago, it was all jock jams, it was all POD, it was all American rock stuff that yes. for me frankly doesn't reflect the players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, but I think, look, since the wardrobe malfunction... That probably hindered it a bit. It hindered it massively, mm-hmm. and there was lots of controversy on Thanksgiving, we talked about it on the podcast, in Detroit, where instead of all the musicians that helped build the musical heritage of Detroit were replaced by the likes of Nickelback. Can you talk about the 49ers as a franchise, Frank? Because obviously from a local perspective, they're prepared to work with real local talent such as E40 that really means something to that community. What makes the difference between the 49ers that are able to get behind that as they understand what it means to the people? What differentiates them from, say, the Detroit situation, do you think? Well, you know, we're behind them 100%. So I feel like they're they're behind their artists a hundred percent too, because the support I feel like all it's a lot of it's a lot of support for 49ers out here, and the fan the 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 way they they uh basically the way they show us love at our at the games playing the songs and getting people acclimated and you might as well get some of the biggest stars of where you're from of where they're from from the hometown to show love because you never. You're never gonna get that love from nowhere else. You're only gonna get it from your, you know, from your local crowd. Last year, the Niners adopted Tony Montana. For anyone who doesn't know what Tony Montana is, is a track by Future. Check Future. it out. It's <laughs> an echo. So like, um, go, go check that out. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable track. One of the best tracks of 2012 for sure. So good that Drake had to hop on it. Of course he did. Uh, Frank. Definitely. Frank, let's just say you're the DJ in that San Francisco 49ers locker room. You've got control of the iPod and the iPod dock extension. You can set out what's going to be the track for the 49ers run throughout the rest of the playoffs. What are you picking? That song that they got going now, that Riot by 2 Chains, even though it's kind of an older song. Mm-hmm. But 
I kind of like that because that's what we're doing. We're making noise and we're starting to riot every game. Every game somebody's getting hit. So we're, we're doing it. I like that song right there. It's a big song right there. And it, and oh, it's, yeah. It's good that they went with that because, you know, why not? Like, 2 Chains is the man of the moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Even though I seen 2 Chains tweet, even though he was at our game one day, yeah. and then was tweeting about how the Falcons going to beat us the next day, I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> no, and let's move on to this point. So Falcons up next for the 49ers. The Falcons have got some high-profile fans in the hip-hop world. Yeah. Not just 2 chains type fans who seem to <laughs> adopt whoever's playing at that day, but Big Boy has been very, very focal out in the media. He's been trying to get uh, the Atlanta Falcons to adopt In The A mm-hmm. as their official song. What do you say uh-huh. to Big Boy, Frank, without stirring up too much beef? <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're going to put Riot up against In The A. I got to tell Big Boy that they're going down. <laughs> you know, I no disrespect, you know, because Big Boy's actually, he's a legend in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I would love to work with Big Boy any day of the week, you know, because I actually, I actually live in Atlanta too, though. So I got, I got a lot of friends that are Falcon friends ah. too. But, so I, I just have to tell him, y'all going down. Maddie Ice is not, he's going, he's going to turn into ice water. <laughs> and, uh, He's gonna, it's gonna be cold out there because we're so, gonna get it done. So you've got you've got Atlanta roots and friends, San Francisco roots and friends, Frank. Mm-hmm. So how are you gonna play it? Are you gonna try to be quite political and represent both sides, or are you just going oh, out nah. offending people? How are you gonna play it? <laughs> no politicalness with me. <laughs> SF SF all day. I was born I was born in the Niner jersey. That's how I came out. Came out the womb with a Jerry Rice jersey on. <laughs> so. You're obviously predicting the 49ers are going to win, but what are you thinking scoreline, Frank? What, tell the fans of the podcast, what sort of game do you think we can expect in Atlanta next week? What sort of matchup do you think um, we're going to be watching? Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a shootout because, you know, Atlanta's offense is very, very good. They have Tony Gonzalez, Roddy Wright, Julio Jones, and Michael Turner. Oh, man, come on now. It's like they got they got to uh, at least – a top ten player at each at at each of those positions. Mm-hmm. So this gonna be a good game. The defense is just gonna have to knuckle up and get it done. Cause you know I feel like our offense though is gonna give is gonna give their defense trouble though. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a shootout. I predict I say we win by by uh, ten points. Defense is gonna hold up. Offenses and Colin, they they're not gonna stop Cap. See, you mentioned all those amazing Atlanta players, but San Francisco also has that great combination now of Kaepernick to Crabtree, which in yes. my opinion is the best Bay Area duo since Too Short and E-40's last album. So, <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> it seems to me that if Kaepernick plays close to 70% to the level that he played at the weekend's, I think he is the key to everything. Cannot wait for the matchup. So talking of San Francisco, the great news is for British fans here, and Frank, you may not be aware of this stage, San Francisco are coming here next season. Frank, don't worry, you're not losing a home game. Don't have to worry about that. They're coming here to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're not asking you to predict the result of that. That's far too easy. <laughs> Way too long. Way too easy. <laughs> but there's still a few tickets available for people to come and see the San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. against the Jacksonville Jaguars in October. Frank, if there's some people here that maybe are yet to pick a team, interested to go on, come and check out the 49ers, 
Why should they go and watch the San Francisco 49ers in London, Frank? Why should they do that? If you want to see some football being played at the high level and seeing some talented, a talented defense fly over the field. Basically, if you, if you have a son out there and you want to teach him how to play the game, you take him to that Niners game. <laughs> you take him to that game and they'll show you how to play ball right there. Show you how it's supposed to be done. Cause the Niners, they give it in, they give it 110 day in and day out. They heard it. Last few tickets still available for people. The Vikes and Steelers game is sold out. That one's sold out, but there's the last few tickets available. Go to the NFLUK.com website. You can get the last few tickets available to see that. And you know what? If the 49ers win at the weekend, as Frank is predicting, mm-hmm. it's going to yes, make yes. them sell out even yeah, quicker. So definitely. recommend you get on that quickly before you beat the next man. So, Frank, you released one of the biggest records in the London hip-hop club scene in 2012. My dick ain't racist. Made massive moves here. You even yes, came yes. over to London. Debut live performance in London at London Bridge. And yeah, and myself were both at that. Yep. That was a fantastic yeah, occasion. A great gig. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. What's next for AK Frank in 2012? What can the fans expect from next from you? Well, basically, I'm about to drop my new project that uh, the racist track is going to be on. It's called The Boycott, you know. And so that's going. it's going to have a lot of bangers on there, a lot, uh, a lot of production by myself. I produce a lot of my music. I got some production from uh, I Am Sue on there and P-Lo. And, it, and just in case. So it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good project. And that, that's going to be like... People gonna hear that track. The racist is people gonna hear the other tracks on there besides racist. And they're gonna be like, oh yeah, this this dude's got some fire. They gonna love it. When's that gonna hit the streets, Frank? When can people pick that up? They gonna pick that up in February. Hopefully, it's gonna be like around around uh, Valentine's Day. So just after a, the Super Bowl. <laughs> so if the oh, Niners yeah. win, that's what they're gonna be listening to. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, how can people get in touch with you online? How can they follow you? How can they listen to some of your music? How How is the best way to get in touch with you? You can follow me on Twitter, of course, and Instagram. They're both the same, a.k.a. the number one and Frank, you know, F-R-A-N, capital K, however you want to spell it. And then also I have my website that you can check out my videos, my music on. It's akafrank.com. Feel free to log in, sign up, get up, get on that. And you can just check me out. I'm all over YouTube. I'm all over Hip Hop DX, Vibe Magazine, all the different sites. You can just hit me up. You can just Google me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way to find anyone on the Google machine. <laughs> I got one question to ask you before you go, Frank. And this is a question that means a lot to me. I want to ask you, who is the best rap leet of all time? And if you don't know what a rap leet is, it is an athlete who raps. Metal World Peace. <laughs> Metal World Peace is the greatest rap lead of all time. That's big. I, I actually would have gone with them. I heard that song Champion last year. I mean, a couple years back. Mm. <laughs> but in my eyes, I just like Meta so much. He's just so comedy. And everything he does is funny to me. He- so I just... Meta all the way, and I'm a like a big Lakers fan too. He hails from Queensbridge, one of the traditional hotbeds of New York hip hop. He yes, was always yes. going to be interesting when it comes to picking up the MIC. Shout to Ron Ron, yeah. he's out there doing all sorts of fun stuff on Twitter as well. You heard it here, people. 
how to connect with Frank, how to check out some of the upcoming AKA Frank music. We recommend it heartily. Some brilliant stuff on there. Also, I'm sure Frank will be tweeting, commentating through the upcoming Niners game, giving yeah. a very oh, yeah. impartial opinion <laughs> on the comings and goings of what's going on. So we can recommend it. That's excellent entertainment as well. Frank, want to really thank you for coming on North London 40. Mm-hmm. Wish you all Thanks. the best of luck in the playoffs. Yeah. Best of luck with your music. And we will speak to you soon. Appreciate that. Thank you guys for having me. I love my UK people. Y'all show me the most love. So thanks to AKA Frank. You heard from him. Had a check out his music. Thoroughly recommended. My Dick Ain't Racist. Brilliant club jam. Had lots and lots of fun getting down to that one the last year. And we'll continue to live on. Great guy and a big 49ers fan and a lot of fun. Just to wrap up what that means for the NFC matchup next week. Well, and this line's moved today. It was three and a half when I was looking at it earlier on today. The 49ers on the road in Atlanta, four-point favorites over Atlanta in the early game, which is going to be kicking off on Sunday around about eight o'clock. What's your thoughts? Are you with AKA Frank? Are you with Big Boy? Are you with Two Chains? Are you with both teams? <laughs> you go for the draw. I, I fully believe in the curse of Two Chains, by the way. I, I feel that Atlanta almost lost because of him. No, you know what? I'm going to go with our guest. I'm going to go with AKA Frank. I'm going to go with the 49ers. I, I, I can see him doing it. I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a Super Bowl of the 49ers and the Patriots. A result predicted by a lot of people coming into the season, the Patriots and the 49ers. And again, from a neutral perspective, and fans of these teams are going, oh, it's you two, F the neutrals, whatever about them. But I think it's the matchup that America wants, that London wants. You know, to, to, to really see. And, and I'm with you on the Niners. I just think that if they get play close to the level from Colin Kaepernick this week against the Falcons, the Falcons don't stand a chance in this game. I really believe that. I think, I think Green Bay are a much stronger opposition. The 49ers lose home field advantage. That's disappointing for them. Big Cap has shown that he can win and score points on the road. He's shown that. Kaepernicking has already started to become a very popular thing in our house. People doing it. No comment. Also, this, if the line's San Francisco by four, Matt Ice is... Sorry, Matty Ice is... Matt Matralice. Matt Ryan. I don't... Oh, sorry. Matt Ryan is eight and two in games decided by eight or less points. So he, he's got his clutch. I, I think people underestimate him in that sense. There was, a, there was a lot of talk about the Falcons not having that defining win. Maybe last week, was it? They're a good team. They wouldn't be in the NFC Championship game if they weren't a good team. But I just think they've got, they don't have a player that's playing at the elite level that Colin Kaepernick is playing at, at this moment in time. And I think that's the difference. It's all about next Sunday. First game kicks off at eight. Unfortunately, you can't go to the Kendrick Lamar concert. It's no. on, on Sunday night. We can't go to the Kendrick Lamar concert. It's going to clash, which is um, ridiculous scheduling. In terms it's going to that. show that Kendrick doesn't care about the NFL. <laughs> That's why we didn't get him on. That's why we got yeah. AK Frank on instead. Mm. Uh, maybe it's an Oakland thing. So that game's going to kick off at 8. The Niners and the Falcons, followed by 11.30. The Ravens at the New England Patriots. We're going to be watching these games at the number one sports bar in Moorgate. So come and break bread with us. Mm-hmm. Hang out with us. Come and say hello. We will be there operating complete neutrality based on whoever we have bet on that day. Obviously. We shall see. But it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. It's going to be major. We're out here trying to function. Out here trying to function. Talking of halftime shows, Destiny's Child 
announced are doing halftime show at yeah. the Super Bowl. Reforming. That, that's true love right there. Beyonce getting a solo performance at the halftime. Um, make sure you send in your pictures to Pepsi so you can be part of it. Uh, <laughs> I was going to send in a picture of us, actually. Yeah, you should. You should. <laughs> yeah, no, and what she do? Decides to share the limelight with her uh, with her best friends, with BFFs. She does. I mean, what a way to relaunch a group at the Super Bowl at halftime. So hopefully other guests. We understand why America weren't prepared to take the quote-unquote risk of showing the E40 footage. Yeah. The, the Sky Sports coverage was just bizarre. We just saw coverage of David Akers like, trying to push these little kids out of the way so he could <laughs> practice field goals. There's no footage on YouTube of E40 performing function at the, at the 49ers game, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate. But, you know, Beyonce, Destiny's Child, they can be trusted, Yes, I think, to toe the line. The interesting thing is, I'm fairly sure Destiny's Child was part of... Well, the year before the infamous... Um, halftime show was MTV did the halftime show and they had a bunch of stars on and Destiny's Child were a part of it and they've got a new track out this week yeah making a bit of noise called Nuclear Pharrell digging up the Lynn Collins sample I quite like it Sing Sing Break Baltimore is back people forget trap it's all about Baltimore again yeah and Cocaine 80s inclusion on there which I like you don't like I'm, I'm too young Fair enough. Look, I was in the 80s. as what the cocaine bit, all right? <laughs> you were busy at moonlighting. That's what Tony you Montana were Montana to cocaine 80s. We're going all over the place. We're down to the business end of the, of the season, people. If you've stuck with us this long, don't bail out now. It's going to be a magic Sunday night of NFL action. Then after that, we've got the Super Bowl. Shout out to everybody that's going to be making it along to the Daryl Moose Johnson fan thing on Saturday mm-hmm. in London as well. We're going to be at that so again, come and say alright to us. We're going to be around talking to the Moose trying to find out where he's going to go out drinking in London yep. if he's around and he's going to be on Sky Sports coverage uh, at the weekend as well. Landing his punditry now to the NFL so that's going to be cool. So we're going to be at that again. Come and say alright to us and um, we'll say alright back. Also shout out to the BBC Highlights package. If you guys have missed any of the games or missed anything, make sure you check it out on the iPlayer. Definitely. A sport that needs a highlights package throughout the season. We've said that. Um, but check it out at the playoffs. MC on the MIC is there. Mike Carlson. So you know this is official. Yeah, and uh, someone called Matt Baker, who's the, the host. He's there as well. Yeah. He's got lovely, weird, fashioned grey hair. <laughs> It confuses me that as a black man, I'm often perplexed. Yeah, Talk, talking of talking of weird grey hair, <laughs> Rob Ryan got the bullet this week. He did, and what? And quite possibly the greatest statement after he got fired, which was, "I'll be hired after five minutes." And he was. He was hired literally two days later by the Bills. The statement he came out with, and, and he said, "Oh, you're sacking me." I made you the 24th best defense in the league. Before that, you were 31st. Yeah. Talking of the Ryans, shout out to my mate David. I didn't force him to do it, but he's showing. I actually saw the Rex Ryan wife pics this week for the first time. I know, I know, I know. I know. I, I actually tweeted about it on, not the actual pictures, God forbid, but no, I, I yeah, I, no. There, there are some things that even, even we wouldn't go, go near. It's, yeah. I've got an itchy if you foot. Th- if you think there's consequences attached with opening up Pandora's box. It's <laughs> uh, yeah. one way of saying it. I feel, I feel, I feel dirty. I feel scared. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of talk this week also about Rex Ryan's tattoo, which I thought I think people read too much into it. To be honest, it was just a bad tattoo. And um, you know, he played it off in the media. And Rex Ryan, it's it's a, it's a weird story. Everyone's being sacked in New York apart from Rex Ryan. So, you know, read into that what you will. He knows where the bodies are buried. That's why. He certainly does. And on that bombshell, <laughs> we are done for the week. We'll be on Twitter all week, stirring it up, seeing what's about, seeing where the lines go for these games, seeing what rappers are, are residing with what teams and, and what's going to happen. But can't wait till next week. The penultimate round of the 2012-2013 NFL season. We are North London 40 and we will see you next week. Take care.